Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, again, welcome to Cross Creek. Good to see you guys. Thanks for watching online or listening to the podcast. My name's John, and I'm the lead pastor here. And as you might have guessed, we are talking about marriage this week and for the next three weeks. Now, I know you, know, you, might, be, you might be maybe a husband here who um, just here making your wife happy, and you're like, oh, crap, they're talking about marriage. Nice job, honey. Or you're watching online, it's like, hey, you should watch this. It's going to be okay. We're going we're gonna to ease you into it. And to do that, I want to I bring four people up here, four people who know what marriage is all about. We're going to invite Aaron and Monica Fiedler up here, and we're going to invite Ken and Diane Silva up here. And they're going to help us kind of see what marriage is really, really like. We give them a hand even though they haven't done anything. Yeah, you guys can sit. We'll have, we'll have the ladies on the inside. And the, and the men on the outside, which is how you should walk down the street. Did you know that? Men should be closer to the street so that that car will hit you. By the way, you, are, you two are a really good-looking couple. You probably made amazing-looking kids. These are my parents, in case you're like, what's that about? Okay, so to help us, wait, how long have you guys been married? 16 years. 16 years? Good, let him answer, good. How long you, your, your marriage can drive. That's cool. How long have you guys been married? 47. We're waiting to die. <laughs> 48, your wife says. That's okay. Ask him when my birthday is. He doesn't know that either. Okay, couples, do me a favor and take off your shoes. Sorry, I keep turning my back to you guys. Take off your shoes. If you're watching online, be glad you can't smell this. Okay, now give each other one of your shoes. There you go. This was not rehearsed. As you, no, you're going you're gonna to hold them in your hands. Yes. You're going to hold them in your hands. You're going to hold the shoes, both shoes, both shoes in your hands. Both, both shoes in your hands. And I'm going to ask a series of questions if the, about each of you. So like, you know, which, anyway, you, you know the drill. I'm going to ask you questions about each other. If the answer is your spouse, you hold up your spouse's shoe. Oh, good. Good practice. The feedlers are on it. Dad's still sure he's here. And if the answer is you, you hold up your shoe. Good, good, good. You got that, Dad? Good, okay. Here we go. We're nervous, John. This is, we're, we're not sure what you're going to ask. Dad. You're okay. You're okay. When you first met, when you first met, who made the first move? Hey, whoa, you guys are in, all in agreement. Good job. Let's try this. Who is more adventurous? We should have done newlyweds for this game. <laughs> All right. Who is the better dresser? 
<laughs> Everybody's in agreement still. Yeah, no, yep, yep, we're going to see which couple is the better couple. Okay. <laughs> okay, who is better looking? Oh. oh. <laughs> and you guys answered separately, which is probably the right answer. And you guys both said mom, that's good. All right, let's see, who starts the argument? <laughs> Is anybody shocked by these answers? <laughs> uh, who will be most likely to wake up grumpy? <laughs> oh, Fiedlers. All right. Who's the responsible one? <laughs> Everybody's in agreement on that one. This, this is for you, Monica. Who would be the first to lose their keys? <laughs> oh, everybody's in agreement. Very good. Just so you know, when we're, when we're cleaning up every Sunday night, the last thing we always do is look for Monica's keys. <laughs> All right. Um, well, speaking of it, who, who has the smelliest feet? Just don't smell them. <laughs> you guys are s smart. You need proof. Did you guys answer yet? <laughs> you said each other. Very good. Let's see. Um, who's the better driver? <laughs> Very good. Um, who is more likely to be running late? Oh, Fiedlers are in disagreement. <laughs> good job, and the Silvas agree. Who is better at keeping surprises? Oh, the Silvas again are in agreement. When you, guys, when you guys have been married for another 22 years, maybe you'll be closer. All right, let's do, let's do two more. Who's more stubborn? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and finally, right now, who do you love more than anyone in the world? Aww. All right, give him a hand. Thank you very much, everyone. That's, that's all you got to do. <laughs> Thank you for participating and showing us what true marriage is all about. So those of you who are married... Maybe you, maybe you kind of understand this. You could, you, it was funny to you. Maybe if you're not married, you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. I get it, but okay, what's going on? See, because before you're married, marriage really seems like this ideal existence. I don't know if you can think back that far if you're older, or maybe you're younger. You're like, I can't wait to get married. And then old people hear that, and they kind of chuckle at you. But when you're growing up, marriage kind of seems like this ideal existence, right? Even if you didn't grow up with, with happy parents or maybe with a great marriage to look up to, you still see that this dream of marriage in the movies or in, on TV or in books. Or maybe your, your friend's parents seemed happy because they waited until you left to fight, right? And everybody has great dreams and great expectations about what their you know, happily ever after will be. But then you actually get married, right? And the, and the dishes aren't done the, the, way you, the, the way they should be done. 
right? The dirty clothes, for some reason, are still on the floor right next to the hamper. You can't agree on how to use your money. You know, she sure seems to get a, lot of, a whole lot of headaches right around bedtime. And he always seems to have ulterior motives when he's being sweet or romantic. So that, that person you couldn't wait to spend your life with then becomes the person who makes your life the hardest. I remember when, when Liz and I first got married. She doesn't know I'm sharing this story. I remember when Liz and I first got married. And, you know, we, we, when we were dating, we liked to stay up late and watch movies and stuff. And, and we were like, yeah, we're both night owls. This is great. You know, we'll, we'll stay up late and sleep in late. And then, you know, we had real jobs, so that didn't really work out. But Friday night, like, okay, we're going to stay up late. We're going to watch some movies. No. Liz, my wife, likes to stay up late so she can clean. I'm ready to watch a movie. I'm ready to watch TV. I'm ready to kind of just chill out. And she's like, oh, we could totally rearrange the kitchen now. It's 11.30. That was weird to me. That was a shock. It was perfectly normal for her. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Like, oh, marriage is going to be great. Oh, no, what, this is, what is this? Well, we look for help, right? We look for help on sitcoms, maybe. We look for help with, with books, you know, marriage books. Or we go, we go online and try to find articles that could help our marriage. Or we ask our friends, you know, here's, here's what's going on. And then they, they don't give you it. They might give you advice, but then they tell you what's going on. And then you just start complaining about marriage together, right? Don't worry, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. I won't tell you which one. But there's always this, do this, buy that, tell them this, go on these dates, and then your marriage, your marriage will be great. But what you find is this. There is no quick fix, no magic actions, no one-sentence formulas that will give you a perfect marriage. There's no quick fix that will give you a perfect marriage. That would be nice. Everything would be simple, but it doesn't exist. And so we thought, you know, instead of talking about do this to have a great marriage, four simple steps to a great marriage, there's no such thing as a simple step to a great marriage. We thought, you know, what if we looked at some of the subtle deep-rooted causes for ruined marriages. Because I can't tell you how to have a great marriage, but I kind of have a good idea on how to ruin a marriage. My wife tells me all the time, you know, this is what you do to ruin a marriage. So I have some experience there. And so for this series, we're going to take four weeks, and we're going to talk about four common ways we ruin our marriages, and maybe what we can do to, what we can do to avoid them. But when we're talking about marriage, I know some of your hands are getting sweaty and you're kind of a little bit worried. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you're about to check Facebook online. Don't. We have two rules during this series. Rule number one, no nudging. No nudging. Did you hear that? Did you? No bruised ribs. Right? He's talking about you. No, I'm talking about you. So no nudging. And rule number two, no saying, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I wish so-and-so could hear this. Here's the thing. They didn't. They're not here. You are. What are you going to do about it? If somebody sent you this online because you need to hear it, maybe they should listen to it with you. Anyway, if you're like, man, I wish, I wish so-and-so was here, well, then maybe invite them, but also know that I'm talking about you, not them right now. Now, I know that not everybody sitting here, not everybody watching online, not everybody listening to the podcast 
is married. You're like, well, great. Four weeks of, I guess I'll go find some church that talks about dating or something. Or, you know, four weeks of marriage. Here's the thing. You know, maybe, maybe you're not married because you're too young. Maybe you've, you've never been married. Maybe, maybe you were married and either you're divorced or widowed. Maybe, maybe you're dating. Maybe you're dating again. Here's what kind of happens in, in churches often in the American church. If you're single, you're made to feel like that's weird. You're made to feel like, you know, you're, well, when you're married, you'll understand. Right? When you're married, then, you, then you'll start real life. That's wrong. Single is good. So if you're single, for whatever reason, it's not, you're not like a second-class church member. Right? We don't even have membership, so you're safe. See, there's nothing wrong, nothing weird, nothing abnormal, nothing out of place to not be married. In fact, the Apostle Paul recommends it. Jesus, the one we're all aspiring to be like, modeled it. He was single his entire life. Single is good. And I think this series, even though we're talking about marriage, can still apply to you. Because I think this series could really be titled, How to Ruin Every Relationship You've Ever Had and How to Ruin Your Life. But we chose marriage because that's really in just this intense model of what relationships are like. And so we'll be talking about marriage, but I think it can apply to anyone. And so as we get started, I want to just kind of lay, lay some groundwork with this. There are no perfect marriages. There are only real marriages. Well, I don't have a perfect marriage. Nobody does. There are no perfect marriages. There are only real marriages. Why are there no perfect marriages? Because there's no perfect people. There's only real people. And when you bring two real people together, what happens? Friction. Over time, there's going to be conflict when two real people live life together. I mean, let's, let's cut to the chase on this. What is the common denominator in all of your struggles as a couple? What is the, don't yell it out. <laughs> but what is the common root? What's the common thing that goes, that, that's in every one of your arguments? Maybe I, maybe I can go deeper. Who, who has been at the center of every disagreement, every annoyance, every fight you've ever had in your life? You. You have been there for all of it. Think about it. You are worried about getting what you want. You are worried about what, getting what makes you happy. You fight for what you think will satisfy you. You fight for, what, for the way you think the dishes should be done. You are at the center of every problem you have in every relationship you've ever had. So Really quick, how to ruin your marriage? Be selfish. How to ruin your marriage? Be selfish. Make it about you. Constantly worry about you. And if you keep it up, you won't have anyone to fight with anymore. (laughs) Won't that be great? See, constantly fighting for what you want will leave you with nothing but wants. Constantly fighting for what you want will leave you with nothing but wants. 
You can tweet that if you want. Or not. So what do we do about it? What do we do about this selfishness? I mean, we're in, we're in every fight we have. We're in every relationship. We can't like take ourselves out of our relationship. We're still there. We're still selfish. What do we do? It's easy. Stop being selfish. You're welcome. Let's play another game. But see, there, there's more to it than that, right? I can just say, stop being selfish. You're like, okay, great. Well, you're still going to be selfish. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than just saying, don't be selfish. In fact, it's so much better than that. It's more satisfying than that. And in fact, Jesus explains how to do it, what to do. In one of the most probably earth-changing conversations he had with his disciples. And what he's doing, and we're going we're to look at this conversation he's about to have, what he's doing is he's basically laying out what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, what it means to follow him. And in this passage, we're not, he's not actually talking about marriage per se, but he's really talking about all of relationships and all of life. And in this, in this conversation, I think, is the key to a joyful and loving and long-lasting marriage. And really, it's the key to success in all of our relationships. And so we, we find this conversation in the book of John. We call it the book of John. It's really an account, an eyewitness account of Jesus' life written by Jesus' best friend. So John was, John was Jesus' best friend. He was one of his disciples. He, he spent his whole life telling people about Jesus. And as he's getting older, he says, you know what? I'm about to die. I need to write, the, I need to write about what I saw Jesus doing. And that's why we have what we call the book of John. But in John chapter 15, if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 15. If you don't, everything's going to be on the screens. You can just follow along with us. But in this, in this conversation, we're going to see the key to a loving and happy marriage. So let's, let's just dive right in. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, he's talking to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in his love, Jesus' love, God's love. Perfect love is what he's talking about. Being perfectly known, perfectly accepted for all that you are. Remaining in his love means staying in God's perfect plan for your life. Staying in his love is the way humans operate best. Staying in his love is how you get out of your way and stop ruining relationships. So remain in his love. That's, well, how? Like, what, what does that really mean? How do we do that? Well, he keeps going. Jesus is really handy that way. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Sweet commands and rules. This is perfect. I knew that's what I was going to get when I came to church. More rules, more commands, more religion, more guilt. It's perfect. Just wait, right? He's, he's gonna, he, the conversation keeps going. In fact, he gives us the reason why to do all of this, why to remain in his love, why to do it first before actually telling you what the rule is. So here's, here's why we want to remain in his love, why we want to keep his commands. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy, right? That sounds like a fairy tale. That sounds like what maybe what we thought marriage was like when we were 14. He's saying, if you remain in my love, if you keep my commands, you'll have complete 
joy. My joy will be in you. So you're saying if we, if we keep his commands, we'll be operating the way we were designed, and we'll have joy and be happy. That sounds too simple. Well, that's what he said. That's what he said. He's saying, if, if you keep my commands, you will have a joyful life. You will have a fulfilling life. You'll have a fulfilling, joyful marriage. You'll have, a fulfilling, you'll have fulfilling, joyful relationships if you keep my commands. You say, okay, well, you know, let's, well what are those commands? I'm listening. I'm, I get it. I want, I want joy. Right? Who wants to be miserable? Good. We'd have to talk afterward. Okay, so what are his commands? I get it. It's church. What are Jesus' commands? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's the key to marriage. Isn't it a shock? Love. And you might be thinking you won't say it because you're too respectful for that, but you might be thinking, I mean, no offense, but that's kind of dumb, right? The, the key to marriage is love. Yeah, everybody knows that, right? I mean, yeah, we love each other. We're married, aren't we? So why aren't we joyful? Obviously, we love each other. Uh, yeah, I love him. I'm still here, aren't I? Right? I mean, you've seen him, and I'm still here, so obviously I love him. What do you mean, love my wife? Of course I love my wife. I told her on our wedding day that I loved her. If anything changes, I'll tell her. <laughs> of course I love her. Now, here's the thing. I can say anything I want, right? I can, but that doesn't make it true. I can say, hey, See those cars out there? I can lift each of them up. I can, I can lift them off their wheels because I've been working out. I can say that. And then you say, prove it. I'm like, no, I told you. I've, I'm in shape. I've been working out. I'm strong. My feelings for lifting cars are strong. I can do it. And you say, prove it. No. So Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. How did Jesus love these guys? Just by saying it? Love you. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Whew. Oh, you squeezed my hand. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's, it's Disciples Day. Thanks for the flowers. Is that, is that how he loved them? How did Jesus love them? Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus proved his love through his death, but check this out. He's telling them, love each other as I have loved you before his death, yet it still made sense to them. So he, he loved his disciples through his death. He loved all of us through dying for us and rising again, but he also loved them through his life. Of, you, know, you might say, of course, of course I love her. Of course I love him. I would die for them. And you might. Anyone can say they will die for you, right? And, and they might, but here's the thing. It's easy to die. Everyone does it. Right? We will all do that at some point. Everyone does it. But are you willing to live for them? Are you willing to die to yourself daily? That means, that's what it means to lay down your life. Not just die, but your, your actual living time of laying that down for them. It is now for them. The question is, how much of your life are you willing to give for them? How much of your life, 
not just one moment of death, but how much of your life are you willing to give for the other person? That is the measure of love. In fact, true love means giving up your life daily. Daily. It's not a one-time, hey, let's throw a party for ourselves event. It's not a, you know, oh, it's our anniversary. Here's some flowers. Here's a dinner. I love you. It is a daily, in and out, sometimes monotonous, giving up of yourself love. Laying down all of yourself for the better of someone else. Giving up all of your preferences for what's best for them. And Jesus says, when you do this, when you give up all your preferences, all your wants for somebody else, when you do that, you'll find complete joy. Why? I mean, that, that doesn't seem to make sense, right? You give up everything you want, and you find complete joy. Well, think about this. Worry. When you're worried, are you very joyful? No. Worry steals joy, doesn't it? And when you are constantly grasping and fighting for your own happiness, you're constantly worried that you won't be happy. If you're always looking out for your own happiness, you're always worried that you're going to lose your happiness. You can't have joy when you're worried. You can't enjoy life if you're always worried about it. It's this weird paradox of existence. If you constantly try to make yourself happy, you'll be miserable. If you are constantly trying to make yourself happy, You'll never get there. You will be miserable. That's why when, when we see in the news or we see, you know, in the tabloids or whatever, these people who have, seem to have everything. They can have anything they want, and their life is a mess, and they're miserable. Because when all you're worried about is you and what you want, you're so worried you're going to lose it, you can't enjoy it. But when, you're, when you focus your attention on someone else's needs, Instead of your own, you're not worried about yourself. You worry about yourself less. You worry about yourself less. You are selfless. You are worry-free. See, you are free from that worry of constantly needing to make yourself happy. And you're remaining in his love. You're doing what you were created to do, to love others. You might be thinking, man, that sounds exhausting. It does. That's why I'm so tired. I'm just kidding. I'm tired because I have three kids. It does sound exhausting if you're doing all of this on your own. If you're like, okay, I, I just got to love really hard. I just got to keep giving up, keep giving up, keep giving up. You know, got to be a doormat. See, it does, it is exhausting. You're just doing it all on your own. You're just trying really hard to, to, to give up yourself. But here's the thing, there's a secret trick to this. There actually is a quick fix to this one. And if you're not a Jesus follower, and we're so glad you're here, that's why we created this church, so people can discover what it's like to, what it, discover what it's like to be loved by God, to discover God's love. But if you're not a Jesus follower, you can try all of this. You can try to give up yourself, and I think it'll make you a better person. You'll be more selfless, and it will give you a better marriage. But if you are a Jesus follower, there's something deeper going on here, something deeper that, that really takes a lot of the difficulty out of all of this. It actually empowers you to love and to live like this. And we already, we already read it. It's back at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. He says, remain 
in my love. See, here's the thing. A life like this, a life of living selflessly, you're not mustering up your own love. It's not your love you're trying to show people. You are simply allowing the love Jesus has for you, the love Jesus has for that other person, to flow through you. You are the conduit to allow Jesus to love them through you. You are not doing acts of love for, to them with your love. You are allowing Jesus to love them through what you are doing. And this kind of love is a gift from God. It's the result of a real relationship with him, of his love filling you and flowing through you. It's the result of being a Jesus follower. You can't do it on your own. If you try, you're going to be exhausted. So are you, are you remaining in him? Are you giving him control? Are you trusting him? Are you resting in him and letting him love through you? And here's, here's another secret, secret tip. The more you love this way, the more you love through his love, the more love you're going to have to keep giving and giving and giving. I remember when, when, I, when I was married and, you know, I loved my wife and then she got pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, now I have to share my love with her and my kid. How am I going to, you know, they're each going to get 50-50, right? If you've had kids, you know that's not how it is. Right? I, Liz has all of my love. My firstborn has all of my love. My other two, I don't even know their names. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But see, then, then we had our first, and then we had our second, and I was like, oh, how am I, you know, I, lo- I love Danny so much. How am I going to love Benji as much? He's going to, you know, he's going to be that, like, that second kid that people forget about. But then we had him, and I, and I had even more love. And then we had our third, which was not planned. And I was like, there's no way I'm loving this one. Do you know what you're doing to me, God? And now, I mean, there's, there's just 100% love, 100% love, 100% love, 100% love, because it keeps flowing up and out of me, because it's not just my love. It's Jesus' love for them flowing through me. And Jesus, there's no end to Jesus' love, right? It's unlimited. It's eternal. You can't run out of it. It's a bottomless well that you can just keep drawing from. When you love with that love, it's pretty hard to ruin your marriage. So what does that look like? Right? I mean, this is, this is nice. This is nice, you know, almost like philosophy of love, right? And Oh, Jesus makes me a better wife and husband. Thank you, Jesus. Well, how? What does that look like daily? In, in, when you get in the car today, what's that going to look like? When you, how you lay down your life for your friend, your best friend, your, 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 your counterpart, your spouse, Well, think about this. What are your wants for your life? What are your wants for your life that are getting in the way of your love for your spouse? What are your wants that are getting in the way of your love? Is it your career? Does your career keep winning over your spouse? Is it goals you have for your life, goals you have for your family, goals you have for your kids? Maybe goals you have for each other that they're maybe not living up to? Are those goals getting in the way of your love for each other? Is it your reputation? Is it hobbies? Is it entertainment? Is it just comfort? Are there wants in your life that are getting in the way of your love for your spouse? Now, all those things, goals, career, having a good reputation, those are good things, right? Don't, don't get me wrong. Those are good things. But here, they, they often compete. They're often competitors, for our time, for our attention, 
for our energy and for our passion. And when we let them, and we often let them win because that's what we want for our lives. Do you see the selfishness coming up again? See, we let those things win over those we love because that's what we want. We want to, to, to grow in our career. We want, we want a good reputation. We, I, well, I want to just, can I just go out in the garage like three times a week and just not bother me and I can work on my car? What's wrong with that? See, when, you, when what you want consistently steals from the person you love, everyone loses. When what you want consistently steals from the person you love, everyone loses. Is what you want stealing your time, stealing your attention from the person you love? Yes, sometimes you do have to work late and you can't be home and you can't be there for dinner, but if that happens consistently, week in and week out, everyone is going to lose. Who are you going to steal from? Your spouse or that hobby? Who are you going to steal from? Your spouse or that big paycheck? So to make sure your spouse wins, to experience joy in your life, complete joy in your life, complete joy in your marriage, we can ask ourselves two questions. And I think we should ask ourselves these two questions daily. First question, who's winning? My partner or my preferences? Who's winning? My partner or my preferences? Maybe you could go further. Who's winning? My family or my preferences? Whose life are you laying down in this? Whose life are you laying down? Your life or their life? And it can be done, this can be done in little things. Right? Who's winning? My partner or my preferences? See, Liz and I, we, we finally, after... Over nine years of marriage, that was me pretending to do math. After almost nine years of marriage, we finally figured out how we do laundry in our house. Because this laundry is not fun. If you like laundry, you have issues. <laughs> I hate folding clothes. Liz hates putting the clothes away. That's our system. So she folds them, and I put them away. Because I, I kind of, I don't hate putting them away as much as I hate folding them and vice versa. So we have this system, but sometimes Liz breaks the system, and it's not fair. And sometimes she breaks the system, and when I'm not home, she puts the clothes away. She does this part that she hates. Why? Because she's laying her life down for me. And do I feel guilty sometimes, but usually not. It's awesome. Right? It makes me feel loved. What, just putting clothes? Yes. Because we had this agreement and she is purposely doing the thing I know she hates because she loves me. She's laying down her time, her energy for me. So who's getting the most of you? Your wants or your wife? Your hobbies or your husband? Who's getting the most of you? So that's your first question. Who's winning? Your second question is, Whose love am I relying on? Whose love am I relying on? And I think this is the harder one. Because in the moment, you don't want to remember this. 
You don't want to ask for this. But whose love am I relying on? Because if it's just your love, you're trying to show that you're trying to, to lay down your life using that love as your source, it's so easy to get tired. And it's so easy to get cynical. And it's so easy to get bitter. Because your love has a breaking point. You have a breaking point. But trying to, trying to love like this, relying on your love, is like climbing a mountain by yourself. You can do it for the most part. Right? Just put one foot and step one foot in front of the other. You can do it, but it's a lot harder than it could be. It's a lot harder. But if you're relying on Jesus' love, then it's a secure, empowering type of love. And it will be, it'll be a better and stronger love. And they will actually feel more loved because it's the Holy Spirit loving them through you who knows what they actually need, who knows how to love them best. That's the love you're relying on. And so that's like climbing a mountain with a trained, experienced guide who also probably can cook really well and knows all the best spots to camp. It just makes it so much better. So think about it. What if, what if your marriage was a competition to see who could give the most instead of arguing about who's getting the most. Your marriage was actually a competition to see who could give the most, instead of you trying to keep score of who's getting the most. What if instead of fighting about dirty clothes on the floor, it was a race to see who could get them in the laundry first? Right? Oh, you dropped that shirt, let me put it in. Oh, you're still wearing it, let me take it out. Oh, hey, that could be fun. <laughs> Note to self. Okay. But what if, what if your spouse had nothing to argue about because it was obvious you were putting their needs above your preferences. Wouldn't that be great? Your spouse had nothing to complain about because it was so obvious that you were putting their needs, their wants, above your preferences. What if your kids could grow up seeing daily examples of how much Jesus loves them by watching how their parents love each other, by watching how their parents lay down their lives for each other. And they would say, why are you guys so, like, why are you, maybe when they get older, why are you happier? Why, why did you do that? I know you don't like doing that. Because that's how Jesus loves me, and that's how I want to love your, your mom or your dad. I mean, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, your kids are learning what marriage is, learning what marriage is supposed to look like by watching you. You're their prime example. They will use your marriage as a template for their own future relationships. I know that's heavy. But what they're seeing with you is what they're going to compare their relationships to. What template do you want to give them? What example do you want to show? How do you want to explain what marriage is? Not with your words, but with your life. So let your partner win. Let your partner win over your preferences and love them with Jesus' love. And you'll be glad you did. And your kids will thank you. Because a selfless marriage is impossible to ruin. A selfless marriage really is impossible to ruin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Thank you for loving us, for showing us what true love is. Not a love that we deserve, not a love that we earned, but a love that you just give because you love, because it's who you are. Sacrificial love. Thank you for that. Thank you for that example. I pray that you will give us the courage to daily choose to love our spouses, choose to love those that we are in a relationship with. I pray that you will empower us, and I pray that maybe if, if we don't know what your love is like, you will show us this week, that you will show us what your true love is and show us how to, how to experience the true, unending love of God. Thank you for, for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, what are our two rules? No nudging and no saying, I wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe rule number three, don't talk about it with your spouse until they bring it up. You know who you are. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll continue this series next week. Thank you so much for being here.